It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, new details on that allegation of Joe Biden taking a $5 million bribe. An FBI informant says that it has to do with Ukraine and his son, Hunter. Second, former U.S. President Donald Trump announced that he will face charges next week related to the improper handling of classified information. That breaking news later. Third, China might be building a spy station in the communist country of Cuba. Now, the White House is denying the story, but two senators, a Democrat and a Republican, they're saying that they are alarmed. I've got the details coming up. Later, we close out the podcast with two things. First, an update on those listener surveys that I talked to you about this week. And second, an email from Bill in North Carolina who offered some very respectful critiques of my China coverage. So I'll respond. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. The mystery around the alleged $5 million bribe that Joe Biden took years ago got a little bit less mysterious yesterday. And that's because multiple U.S. congressmen and media outlets are reporting that they have seen the actual FBI document that lays out in much greater detail the bribery allegation. So here is what we know based on reporting from USA Today, Newsweek, The New York Post, and Fox News. So let's go back in time, folks, to the year 2015. The FBI had a confidential human informant that it had used for years. And actually, by now, they have paid that same individual upwards of $200,000 for their clandestine work. So this trusted informant all the way back in 2015 started holding the first of many conversations with the top executive with a Ukrainian energy company known as Burisma Holdings. That might sound familiar. On the board of that company was a man named Hunter Biden, who, of course, is the son of Joe. And as uh, has been widely reported, Hunter took that job on that board. In fact, he made a million bucks a year to do it, despite having no experience in energy. Now, critically, Hunter has since admitted, specifically in an interview with ABC News, that he was put on that board because of his connection to his father, In other words, for Hunter to leverage that relationship with dear old dad for Burisma's benefit. Well, apparently Hunter was advising Burisma and this executive at the time to buy some U.S. oil assets. But the executive with Burisma wasn't so sure about that advice. So he sat down with what turned out to be an FBI informant. Also that the executive could get the advice on the best way to move forward with this prospective U.S. oil asset deal. To which the FBI informant said, well, why don't you just listen to Hunter? You're paying him and he's on your board. Well, the Burisma executive said, no, can't do that because Hunter is, quote, dumb, end quote. Okay, well, that begs the question, why have Hunter on the board if he is dumb? Well, the Burisma executive told the FBI informant that he had to. He had to, quote, pay the Bidens, end quote, because there was a Ukrainian prosecutor named Viktor Shokin who was looking into Burisma's business practices. And so this executive needed some outside protection, some insurance. And so this executive said that he gave a one-time payment of $5 million to, well, dumb Hunter Biden, plus obviously the board seat. And then on top of that, he gave $5 million to Joe Biden, who he referred to as the big guy. 
So with that bribe money, Joe Biden then agreed to, amongst other things, deal with problems like that Ukrainian prosecutor Shokin. Now, interestingly, Mr. Joe Biden is on video confirming that it is he who in March of 2016 got this prosecutor Shokin fired from his role in investigating Burisma. Lastly, I note this. The Burisma executive also told the FBI's informant that Joe Biden wouldn't be paid directly, but rather through a series of shell companies all around the world. And that process would involve so many different bank accounts that investigators would not be able to unravel this scheme for at least, he said, 10 years. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is what is apparently on that Form 1023 that I first told you about back on May 31st. But to refresh our memories on this issue... Congress was threatening the FBI director, Christopher Wray, with contempt charges unless they got to see this form. Well, he agreed. In fact, he allowed more members of the House to see this document yesterday. And that is probably what and who is driving these leaked details. Now, for what it's worth, Joe Biden was asked about these latest revelations yesterday, and he laughed. Then, while laughing, he said, quote, well, where's the money, end quote. And then he promptly denied the allegations. Now, I should note to you that while Mr. Biden was laughing at this missing money idea, the New York Post highlighted that he's never explained the source of $13 million in income from this exact same period of time. The money was, in fact, routed through an S corporation, but the source of that money has never been revealed. Meanwhile, the banking records of his son, Hunter, have not been fully investigated either, at least not that has been publicly acknowledged. Although, speaking of that, it is possible that the FBI has done more investigation on this issue. Former U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr has said several times this week that this Biden corruption allegation and the informant's information, those were both uh, actually forwarded to the U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware. And he is currently investigating Hunter Biden for at least three things, including tax fraud, money laundering, plus lying about his drug use when he purchased a firearm years ago. So those are the facts, ladies and gentlemen, on this FBI informant and his or her allegation of Joe Biden corruption. Let me now pivot to my opinion and analysis. And I'm going to ask you a question that I've actually asked you before. Do you trust the FBI to properly investigate this allegation? Now, if you do, then these latest details might be concerning, but they're not alarming. The FBI will get to the bottom of it and justice will be done, politics aside. But perhaps you don't trust the FBI. Well, if so, you are like the vast majority of Americans who just one month ago were asked by Harvard and Harris pollsters if you trust the FBI to investigate this properly. And the polls, well, said, no, you all don't. Now, the reason for that, that so many Americans do not trust the FBI, is that, well, There are data and photographs and evidence of all sorts that point to Biden corruption or that the Bidens are lying about it. In fact, we talked about this in depth on May 11th. So if you missed that episode or you're forgetting what we discussed, I would strongly encourage you to go back and review it. But to recap, there are three reasons that most fair-minded people are concerned about Biden corruption. First, congressional investigators have bank records showing nine members of the Biden family received $10 million from foreigners and their bank accounts and companies in places like China, Romania, Russia, Mexico, 
and Ukraine. Second, Joe Biden has repeatedly said that he has never talked to his son about his foreign business deals, but that is just demonstrably false. For instance, we have a voicemail that Joe Biden himself left on Hunter Biden's phone talking about press articles that were related to Hunter's foreign business deals. Third, we have statements from Hunter Biden's business partners and documentary evidence from his laptop that make very clear that Joe Biden was the big guy. Yeah, he was the guy who got a 10% cut of various business deals that Hunter put together. So stepping back, ladies and gentlemen, what are we to believe, right? Is this Biden corruption allegation just a, a big misunderstanding? Or instead, is it that our commander in chief got $5 million in bribes from a country, as it turns out, that he's, he's now sending $113 billion in war aid to? Well, I don't know what the answers might be to those questions. And that's because we haven't answered the first question that I led off with, which is, can we trust the FBI to properly investigate these allegations? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the heart of the matter. As for me, I have made it very clear, I think, that the evidence and the logic and the reason tell me that we can no longer trust the FBI. In fact, the, the, the facts and the data, in my view, tell me that we likely have, ladies and gentlemen, a compromised man sitting in the White House this morning. And part of that is based on my time at the CIA. Right? This reminds me of the intel and the countries that I have worked in and focused on that, well, are utterly corrupt and rotten. And by the way, the only way that I have seen it change is a profound change in either the prime minister or presidential leadership. And along with that, wholesale purges of agencies and departments. And here's the good news. We've done this kind of wholesale change before in this country, although, to be fair, on a smaller scale. For my history buffs, do you remember Elliot Ness? Right? He took on the mob bosses in Chicago, and he used investigators that we now call the untouchables. Right? In my view, we need those good men once again. That is, if we can find them. With that, let's move on to our second brief this morning. Former President Donald Trump announced late yesterday that he had been indicted by the U.S. Department of Justice. So here's what we know this morning about this late-breaking story as announced by Trump himself last night on his social media platform, Truth, plus additional reporting from Fox News, CNN, and The Washington Post. So last night, Mr. Trump said, quote, I have been indicted seemingly over the boxes hoax, end quote. He was, of course, referring to the fact that he had some documents, around 100 of them, that were found in his home last August during an FBI raid, and those documents were marked classified. Now, his argument then, as now, is that he had declassified these documents before he left the White House, either through a formal process or by simply saying these documents are declassified, or apparently he's argued that he has declassified these things in his mind. In other words, he, he thought it, and so they were. Now, we're going to talk more about that presidential declassification process next week and the extent to which Mr. Trump is right here. Now, surprisingly, as a little bit of a teaser between now and then, there is Supreme Court precedent that says, yes, uh, presidents can declassify virtually anything without approval. But that aside, for now, the former president said that he must report to a federal courthouse on Tuesday in Miami at 3 p.m. regarding this indictment. Now, the exact charges are sealed, but press outlets are reporting that Trump will be charged with multiple counts of illegal retention of uh, government secrets, 
obstruction of justice and conspiracy. And if that is true, right, the charges will likely be focused on answering the following. First, were those classified documents actually classified or did Mr. Trump declassify them as he claims? Second, how did Mr. Trump and his team respond when they were issued a subpoena in May of last year to turn over all the documents in their possession with classified markings? In other words, did they fully cooperate and turn everything over? Or, as the DOJ will apparently claim, Trump and his team tried to purposely hide documents or mislead investigators. So the answers to these questions, precisely what I'm going to be looking for next week, and I anticipate that I'll bring you what I know next Wednesday or Thursday after the indictment is unsealed and evidence is presented. But until then, I don't have any more facts or data this morning to present to you on this breaking news. Lots of opinion and analysis, though, of course. And based on that, uh, let me offer you two very quick pieces of analysis and opinion, but mostly to help you process the news on this over the next number of days. And fundamentally, it comes down to this. Once again, do you trust that the FBI and the Department of Justice have properly investigated this allegation against Trump? In other words, do you trust that your government has looked into this in an even-handed way? Well, unfortunately, the facts and the data and the reasonable analysis all tell us that we shouldn't and we don't trust our government, the DOJ or the FBI. In fact, I made this general case back on May 16th when I delivered you a special brief on the Durham report. It was all related to the investigation into the DOJ and FBI's handling of the Trump-Russia saga. But to refresh our memories on that special brief, the special counsel of that report, John Durham, said this, quote, We conclude that the Department of Justice and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law, end quote. To which the FBI director, Christopher Wray, responded immediately after by saying, quote, No, we have only committed missteps, right? That is the word he used. The quote is missteps here. And I want to be very frank with you. Lacking fidelity to the law is not a misstep, right? And the FBI director knows that. And apparently he can't say it. And that would mean, ladies and gentlemen, that you can't trust the man. Now, to be fair, whatever the FBI or the DOJ do show us next week, I will evaluate it on the merits. But I'm going to tell you what. I am going to process this much like I would a CIA officer who is sitting down with an informant that I don't most especially trust right? I am going to have low confidence in what they tell me. And then I'm going to vet it before I change my confidence level and then share that with you all. Bottom line, that is what I would recommend you all do. You handle this like a CIA officer as well, talking to somebody that you just don't trust. More to come. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners. And then in about a minute, we'll be right back. Friends, I'm excited to tell you about Arc Seed Kits, like Noah's Ark. And here's why I'm excited. On The Right Report, we talk a lot about two things. We talk about your pocketbook and how to save you some money. We also talk about preparing for global events, like how we could find ourselves at war in Asia. Well, with Arc Seed Kits, you can address both of those concerns at once. The all-in-one seed kit helps you grow your own food for life. It has over 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables sprouting from 50,000 heirloom seeds. And let me tell you why that is so important. 
Heirloom seeds last year after year. Each crop helps you grow the next. But that's not true of 95% of most seeds that you buy. Those last only one year. That's why heirloom seeds from ARC Seed Kits are so great. It's a lifetime of food security. So go to arcseedkits.com. Again, that's ARC like Noah's ARC. And buy your heirloom seeds today. And if you do, make sure you use promo code RIGHT, like my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, and that'll get you 10% off your order. So go to arcseedkits.com, promo code RIGHT, and invest in good food and a bigger wallet for life. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. The Wall Street Journal is reporting, ladies and gentlemen, that China has come to an agreement with Cuba to build a spy base of sorts on their island. The Cubans are denying it, so too are the White House and the Pentagon, but it is worthy of putting on our radar this morning, especially given the reactions of two senators, one a Democrat and one a Republican, both of whom are expressing their alarm. So here's what we know. Allegedly, Beijing has agreed to give Havana several billion dollars in cash with the understanding that China can either build a new intelligence base on the island or rehabilitate uh, a former intelligence base previously used by the Soviets and later the Russians. Now, the focus of the spy base would be to collect something called signals intelligence or things like phone calls and emails and satellite transmissions and the like. And here's why China likely wants that intel base so badly. Right? They'll be able to collect on the U.S. military's Southern and Central Command headquarters, both of which are in nearby Florida. So for what it's worth, this information came to the U.S. intelligence community over only the past couple of weeks, but the Wall Street Journal's sources call it, quote, very convincing, end quote. Now, for my history buffs, this has sort of distant echoes of the Cuban Missile Crisis in that the Soviet Union came to a secret agreement with communist Cuba, but then the U.S. government found out only in the late stages. And then at that point, it led to a 13-day standoff that many people feared would lead to a nuclear war. Now, No one is suggesting that that is the case here precisely, but what is clear is that if this allegation is true, the Biden administration will be faced with an immediate crisis. Do we let a Chinese intelligence base operate less than 100 miles from the U.S. mainland? I would certainly hope not. Well, as you answer that question, you should also consider this. The Cuban government has rejected this report, saying to journalists that they've agreed to nothing with Beijing and that suggestions otherwise are, quote, totally unfounded, end quote. Now, meanwhile, the White House and the Pentagon are saying pretty much the same thing. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby said, quote, I've seen that press report and it's not accurate, end quote. Curiously, though, we got a different bipartisan reaction from two senators who sit on a U.S. Intelligence Oversight Committee, Senator Marco Rubio, who's a Republican, and Senator Mark Warner, who is a Democrat. Both of them said, in fact, in a statement that they put out together, that they were, quote, deeply disturbed by the report and that the United States must respond to China's ongoing and brazen attacks on our national security, end quote. So those are the facts and data this morning on this very curious story. One piece of analysis and opinion to offer you before I let you go. Folks, I think it's increasingly clear that we are arguably in the most dangerous period of our relationship with China right now. And to some extent, we're probably in one of the most dangerous periods of modern U.S. and world history. 
And that's because China has more economic and political influence, not just in this country, but in the world than any other country since, my goodness, at least the British Empire days. And that is very bad because while we desperately need good, sober leadership in Washington, D.C. this morning to deal with crises like this, well, our briefs today show us that, frankly, we don't. And that is something we should all be reflecting about over the weekend. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Actually, two things. And let's start with the note of thanks. Many of you have responded to that listener survey that I've told you about over the past couple of days. 2,000 of you, actually. And to you all, I say thank you. Right, you are going to make it so much easier for me to shape the future of this podcast, whether it be, let's say, an afternoon show or a weekend show. Plus, you're helping arm me with data that I need to tell advertisers to help them pay for this show, you know, to keep it free for you. Now, for those of you who haven't submitted a survey, if you are able to do so, I would be so grateful. It would be a personal favor. So I'm taking these surveys through Sunday, so you still have time. So go now to your podcast platform, click on today's episode, find those show notes, and you're going to see that link to a listener survey. Within about five to seven minutes, you'll be done. Now, some folks have struggled a little bit if they mistakenly uh, didn't fill out each required block of text, but I promise the survey works. It'll go through. All right, second, I have a listener email to talk to you about. Bill from North Carolina wrote in saying that he had read an article with this headline, China's Green Revolution is Quietly Succeeding. And this article emphasized this next fact. China is one of, if not the, greatest global investors in the world focused on solar and wind farms. Now, Bill said that that article, quote, creates a very different perspective of China than the fossil fuel burning, pollution generating country that your stories frequently present. Your listeners, I think, would likely benefit from your commenting on this piece, end quote. So as I told Bill, first of all, thank you uh, for the note and the respectful critique. I, I am grateful. But Bill, that article is playing tricks on you. And so are other articles just like it. Articles that talk about record-breaking numbers of dirty green energy projects all around the world. So let me dig into why. And let's start with this. I want you to imagine that uh, you have a pie chart, okay? And it's sharing a breakdown, in this case, of China's total installed energy capacity, right? And one slice says 14% comes from solar, and another 14% comes from wind. And in the case of China, the rest of the pie is pretty much just one big old slice of coal. Now, there's a little bit of hydropower and a touch of nuclear. But as you look at this pie chart, ladies and gentlemen, there is a trick being played on you. Because do you notice that when I teed this up, I said installed energy capacity. That does not mean generated energy or generated electricity. All right, so what's the difference? Okay, well, let's look at this pie chart again in our, in our minds anyway. Wind power in China is at 14% of their installed electric capacity. But as it turns out, data showed that those wind turbines only generate 7% of the country's electricity. But why? 
why did we start with 14% installed capacity being wind, but we only get 7% generated? What happened to the other 7%? Uh, <laughs> because the wind doesn't always blow. In other words, you can install wind capacity and you can celebrate you know, 14% or 30 or 50 or whatever it might be from wind or solar. But that's not where you actually end up getting your electricity. Not at that percentage. And that's because solar and wind are just too unreliable, right? In the case of China, that means that they have to build or install another form of electricity that is reliable. They can generate electricity 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in China, that's coal. So to Bill and everybody else, this is why China might celebrate their you know green revolution, but it's a mirage. Right? They're playing word games with installed versus generated energy. And I want you to keep that in mind. And not just for articles on China, but when you see it elsewhere in the world too. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is the game I have seen repeated again and again all over the world. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. Hear the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.